Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and joining me today are Nathan Doyle and Neve McGee from TheBigKickoff.com. Now, over the weekend, RTE Sport Chief Declan McBennett insisted it is no longer feasible to run a League of Ireland Highlights programme. Soccer Republic's run on the state broadcaster has been brought to an end having started in 2008. RTE is only committing to live coverage of the Watch LOI streaming service until mid-season around June, as well as a number of live games on RTE, with over 50 Premier Division fixtures featuring in total. Nathan, will Soccer Republic be missed? I don't think it will, no. And I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say in the past couple of years it's really gone downhill. It's been on a serious decline. I think overall, just the production, it's just, it's just been half arse really, and it's just it's very easy to see that. It comes across even as half arse. Like, you look at... Wait, the games are played on a Friday night, as you know. And then the show goes out on a Monday evening at, like, 11 o'clock, which is a graveyard shift in itself. But see, that's, that's a long time to have between games, especially now in the age of social media. Like, everything is a click of a button away. We can get the score line, we can get the stats, we can get whatever we want. The click of the click on our phone. So that, so that alone is it's a, it's a long gap between the games and watching the highlights. But then you also have a, the, the decline viewing figures, which again, I think have a lot to go down with the poor production value and people just, they're not interested in, in watching that anymore and it's just been evident to see. Like the showtime has been caught in the past couple of years. It used to be an hour-long show with studio pundits and people chatting about the game. That fell by the wayside. So it was just as basic as you could get. Now, when you compare it, I was seeing in that statement to the viewing figures that were matched today and with uh, the Sunday game. Now, I've said it plenty of times here, Roy. I'm not a bit massive GAA fan by any stretch of the imagination. But even by just glancing at the Sunday game, with the difference in the production between the two of them is night and day. And it really was just a half in the past couple of years. And it's a shame to see it go. You know, look, I did watch it every now and again. I didn't watch it religiously. Like, I don't want to be one of these League of Ireland fans crying out for more coverage. And then we get the coverage, don't watch it. So we did try and, and have a look every now and again, but it, it was tough to watch. And it was just, there was no love gone into it, unfortunately. Yeah, and of course, I mean, the, the, the Sunday game would be the games would be on mostly on the Sunday anyhow so the, the people would be watching to see they wouldn't have seen any video clips or anything like that where on a Monday people have seen or heard everything they need to hear about the League of Ireland game so there's really not too much to watch especially when there's no analysis so there's nothing even to break down anything you know so yeah Monday's a, a, a desperate day for it Neve, if it's a case of one or the other would League of Ireland fans, do you think, prefer to have soccer, soccer Republic, like a full, properly produced Soccer Republic, or watch LOI? Yeah, I think most League of Ireland fans would, pre- would prefer to watch it live. I mean, like Nathan said there earlier, there's no point hearing days later of, you know, who scored what goal or what the results were, because if you follow the league and you follow your club, you're going to find out straight away anyway. You're going to be following, you know, the Twitter, the Facebook, you're going to be in contact with people like, nobody's really relying on that show to get information. And with social media, I think, like, live and quick results what people are looking for. They're not looking for a kind of short overview of everything at the start of the week. I just think it, the audience is going down due to that. People aren't relying on it anymore. And 
there was no in-depth analysis either. I, I really don't think it will, yes, to be honest. But the live viewing of the game is much more important, I think. Um, what do you feel about Watch LOI? Do you think the price, I think it's €59 Euro for for the games for the halfway through the season. Do you think that's fair, Niamh, or is, is that Should people be happy with that? I think that has hyped up a bit since last season as well. And I think a lot of people are in the dark as to whether or not their season ticket will actually cover Watch LOI. Some clubs haven't been officially informed as far as I know. Um, that's the thing if the price is quite high it might put people off at the same time if you're really into your club and you know the funds are going partly to the club or fully to the club you're probably willing to pay but again money is price and you're not paying for the same thing as walking into the stands you know it's just it definitely has put people off uh, I, I know people that have you know avoided passes and things like that just due to the high the high cost alone yeah, no, I can I can see how that could happen. Um, I really do hope people take it up as much as they possibly can because in this time we need football and we just need the League of Ireland to be talked about. So it's really important for to keep it in the in the spotlight. Nathan, you've seen an article in the Derry Journal which seems to think that Derry City will be the first League of Ireland club to allow fans back into the stadium. What was the gist of that? Yeah, look, as you said, um, Derry City could be more, more than likely, but very likely as the days go on, that they'd be allowed to have uh, fans back into the, the Roy McBride Brandywell Stadium by early summer. So this is if uh, Stormont chooses to follow a similar roadmap to the UK, which could see fans at home the stadium as early as the 17th of May. Uh, and to be fairness, in the same article, it came up and said that the FBI apparently won't stop fans or they won't intervene fans entering the, the Brandywell of Northern Ireland executive uh, premise uh, reduced attendance in outdoor venues. So if it's obviously Derry City fans need to be waiting with bated breath and there will be obviously going to be concern around it from from the people of Derry but I also reading that uh, Billy Sc- uh, Scampton who was Derry City's head of match day operatives and event control he went out of his way and said that the match day management team are fully trained and qualified. They all underwent COVID compliance courses with Sport Ireland. And everybody on board is fully aware of what they're doing and they're fully qualified of how to deal with the current situation. So, look, I'm sure there's still a lot of teething problems to sort out at the Brandywell, you know, in terms of just even getting fans in, like the consoles or anything like that, with cross contamination. So, well, there will be a lot to sort out, but I'm sure David City fans would be enthusiastic to hear that they could be getting back in as early as me. Yeah. Um, Nave, how would you like to see the reintroduction of fans back into our stadiums? Yeah, I mean, it has to definitely be a slow process. I think maybe May might be a bit early for us. And our, obviously, we're more cautious with our terms and our restrictions than the North in the UK seems to be. But a slow introduction of fans by coming near the end of the summer seems to be what they have in mind. I think that's that's fair enough to accept, really. Um, as long as the management and everyone at the stadium at the ground has done courses on such things, it's definitely doable. And I'd really like to see it happen. I know people, especially that bought season tickets, they're really expecting to get in at some stage during this season, you know, especially maybe at the end of summer. Would you be going to the Brandywell if you could get a ticket? I think I would definitely be, yeah, yeah. As long as I felt safe and it was distant, without a doubt, yeah. Okay, yeah. I think you're probably. Just... Uh, we, we, we'd have to, we'd have to wait. Uh, Roy, it's only home fans at the moment that would be permitted on May. Oh, is so that it? It would be the same. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in a heartbeat myself now, I have to say. I just think I'd walk up at this stage. But yeah, unfortunately, it's three uh, home fans at the moment, so we still, um, us guys on Hilda still have to wait, unfortunately. And there's no mention of away fans going up there? No, just home fans at the moment because it's, they're, they're walking under Northern Ireland, so, so people travelling from the Republic, unfortunately, won't be uh, won't have access to the ground if fans are allowed back in on May 17th. So, any travelling teams of um, a hostile 500 uh, home fans on their back. <laughs> Um, yeah, but it's an interesting one, though, isn't it, Nave? When you think about it, like, does that not give them an advantage in the league when no one else can have fans in yet they can they can have? Uh, so, did the league have to look at this, or or is it just fair no, as fair? That's the way it is. I think that might create a bit of tension between the FAI itself and you know the local councils and who's making those decisions because I mean they definitely have an advantage. Uh, football without the fans, you know, it's, it's definitely not the same. It's, much more difficult for the players themselves and they definitely have have an advantage. It might cause a bit of sort of hatred towards the club from other clubs to think that they have their home fans and nobody else on the island does. It, it definitely would maybe give them a bad name or a bad reputation as well in, in that regard. Yeah, well um... and fairness to Derry to Derry City as well, um, when five hundred fans were allowed back in last season League of Ireland grounds. And even Dublin clubs only allowed that two hundred fans. Uh, Derry didn't have any fans. They weren't permitted to have fans at that stage. So it's all the swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Okay, right. We'll leave that there. Three United played their first ever game on Tuesday night and earned a respectable one-all draw with Kevin Sheedy's Waterford United. Nathan, Tommy Barrett has had to assemble a squad together of what's really left over after the rest of the club had, had their picking. So how has he done? Yeah, he did. 26-man squad was officially announced. Um during the week and yeah like I said it's, it's made up of quite a few months of senior players former Limerick FC players have either not been playing in the, in the league since or they have just been playing at months of senior so there is a lot of a ton of faces that have been at Limerick and like I said it's a lot of guys have been really getting clubs like I'll name a few out here we have Hyde Ryan that Waterford last year I think the goalkeeper didn't get much of a chance uh, Charlie Fleming right back across the east Mark Ludden, another defender from Galway. Connor Melody, another mid- midfielder from Galway. Adam Foley, midfielder from Finn Harris. You had a spell up in Northern Ireland. Dean George, striker. It uh, was at loan last year, I believe. And Jack Lynch, a defender from Galway. So, look, players that, you know, the, like, out of the people I mentioned there, like Mark Ludden's a decent player now, I will give him that. But I think the are also left over at this stage and they were just happy enough to, to get signed up to a club uh, like Treaty United. Neve, it's great to see a Limerick club back in the league. Is there any other areas that you feel are capable of putting the League of Ireland team together and be good to see? Good for good to see in the area. Yeah, well, I suppose the kind of the south of the island, apart from Cork, there's there's really a lack of. I don't know when the League of Ireland club was like in, in Kerry or around that area, and it, it does surprise me. They're obviously much more interested in their Gaelic and their their GAA there, but. I do think they'd have the ability to develop a club down there. That just comes to mind straight off is that there's never really there's never really a big focus on these of Ireland down there, apart from obviously Cork and, and Cove Ramblers, but in Kerry itself and, and lower down there, you know, it's it's not as strong. Do you think is there anywhere else like there's there's the likes of Mayo seems to be a big gap, obviously even in, in, in central Ireland there's not a lot there. Kildare and Meath these probably Kildare and Mead, you would think that there would be something going on. There's a good uh, f- footballing background in those counties. 
why do you think it's it's never taken off? Yeah, like when you say Caldera there, that's actually a county that will come to mind. It's close enough to Dublin, you know, and there, there definitely is a lot of young football academies and training there. And I suppose it just takes, again, if they're more focused on their Gaelic, I suppose it takes away from football. And lots of schools tend to emphasise solely on the Gaelic. And that just, there's not often coaches and training on for children. And if you don't have the young children doing it, you can't expect them to, to build up a senior team. But in the likes of Mayo as well, I think it's. Uh, lack of funding in ways you know if, if the interest is there but there's not enough funding to provide the coaches and the training and the academies and sessions uh, it, you know it's not going to happen Yeah I think everyone needs a bit of a sugar daddy just to get off uh, get up and going in the yeah. League of Ireland don't they? Um, yeah With Dublin we talked about this Neve last week so just to get your thoughts on it with what you've said in mind and the topic of there's too many teams from Dublin does it make a difference if there's a few more teams from Dublin or not if it makes a stronger league? Yeah, I personally do think maybe there are a few too many clubs in Dublin itself. It really kind of dominates the league then and it kind of dictates the table, whether it be the first division or the premier division. Um, you do need to have that balance. Like apart from, you know, in the West, apart from Sligo Rovers and, and St. Hart, then it's very focused on the East. And again, that's unfair. The East obviously has more services, more facilities in the likes of Dublin City. They have a university, numerous universities and students, and they have so much more physical uh, material they can benefit from that the likes of the West don't. So I do think they've dominated the table in the league a little bit too much to kind of consider it to be fair myself. Okay, right. We 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 discussed that last week, so that's your your bit added on to that. So uh, yeah, it's interesting to uh, hear. And if anyone else out there wants to leave any comments on that, do. Okay, Nathan, League of Ireland manager Paul Cook has taken over at Ipswich. Oh dear, obviously just someone that uh, Nate will know very well. Former Slug of Robert manager, he signed with the league once right on the summer of twenty uh, twenty three. In fairness, he was um, he was here for a couple of sides now in, in the past while, but he's, had, he's ended up now with Imsley. Underland was one of the teams he was linked with, I think, uh, Bristol Rovers or something, or somebody else. I might be wrong on the Bristol one. But yeah, he's been linked with a couple of sides now in, in, in the past while since he left Wigan. Um, and in fairness, he, he's trying, he's trying to switch at a, at a decent uh, time. They're seventh in the league at the moment. He's coming off the playoffs. He even beat Axel and Stanley last night uh, 2-1. Actually, you no, know, former... Uh, Sligo Rovers Seamus Keneally was sent off Axon Stanley that night so it was a very Sligo Rovers heavy uh, in switch on Axon Stanley game yesterday <laughs> You're supposed to be watching League of Ireland games you're not supposed to be looking across the water Niamh hey, look, look, I, I, live a, I live a sad life I don't watch anything <laughs> that's going on <laughs> Sounds like it Niamh Jack Bourne <laughs> uh, who left Shamrock Rovers of course to go across Europe he's out with a long term injury uh, Nathan I'll get you to talk about that in a little bit how if, how badly affected do you think Shamrock Rovers will be without himself and Aaron McInef do you think yeah, I think both of those players, you know, gone from the squad is a great loss. But then again, Shamrock Rovers have a really large bench. You know, they've no lack of players. The talent is there and the numbers are there. You know, they're one of the probably the biggest clubs in the league without a doubt. So it's not a massive loss. But I definitely think they will start noticing when the league does start off. You know, the loss, especially up front, will be noticeable. But again, then again, I, I don't think they'll lose out massively. Um, with the loss of Jack Byrne 
Yeah, I think he's. I think he's I a think big. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see how uh, Danny Manjo gets on. I know we talked about it a few times here, Roy, but there's a lot of pressure on him now to perform this season, isn't there? There is, and there seems to be a lot of good vibes though coming out from pre-season. Yeah, he's dominating, isn't he, in most games. I know he's on the score sheet on a regular basis. He's, he's providing assists. Look, I've said it loads of times here. I think Danny Manju is a cracking player and has the ability to be one of the top players in the league. It's just, it's just rapport and attitude problem that just never seems to go away. I think if that can get into check, I think it'd be a major, uh, to go a long way to releasing uh, Jack Bourne. And we're going to talk about uh, the incoming uh, Shamrock Rovers player in a while. It's a question that could replace Jack Bourne. I think they, they could have one ready made in Danny Mandrew if we can just if we see the see what we saw in glimpses of Bohemian uh, during his tenure there. Yeah, no, it definitely be injured, uh, interesting. Yeah, Jack's out. He's he's injured. Could this be a, a situation where he, he's gone over? He did the manager gets sacked that brought him in. He doesn't get his game for the first little bit. Then he gets injured. Could you see him back in the League of Ireland? You know, after a whole load of bad luck, wouldn't we all be shocked to be honest with you? Um, it was just, it just, it's, it's been a strange meal, hasn't it? Like you, you can understand why he went over. You know, like Cyprus is an appealing place in itself. Regular European football, like Applewell, I, I, I usually in the Europa League, and obviously Mick McCarthy was going to be a big draw too, and so was the the approved financial situation. So you can definitely see why he went to Cyprus instead of just coming to League One side or something, but. Yeah, this is tough, and you know he's going to be over three months now. That's his, his season is, is is pretty much over now with Applewell. He's going to miss the first two uh, World Cup qualifiers against Serbia and Luxembourg. So, yeah, it's a tough one. I hear, yeah, it's, it's uh, like back injuries. You now they can have last lot lasting effects. Um, like he's still only twenty four, so we've seen what he can do in the League of Ireland. So maybe the coach just get comfortable mill back. Like Shamrock, I'm sure Shamrock Rovers would have him in a heartbeat. Well, the fans definitely they'd love to have him back. There'd be no doubt about that. Yeah, I I really hope he sticks it out. I really hope he makes an impact. And uh, I actually think he can do, he can step up another level if a little bit of luck uh, runs with him. Okay, Neve, the World Cup 2030 games could be played in Ireland. There's a joint bid between the UK and the Republic of Ireland. Do you think this could happen? Do you think it's a possibility? It's obviously a possibility as they're talking about it, but... I'm not sure. I know it's going to be 48 teams for this World Cup. I'm not sure if all the teams who host it are going to get a spot. I've, I've heard that they may not. What's your thoughts on the whole thing? Yeah, well, as far as I know, I think the minimum capacity to hold the World Cup match itself is something like 40,000 and then going up to a final or semi-final is 80,000. So, you know, the only available stadium here in Ireland is Co-Park with Aviva, which both are brilliant stadiums. But I think Realistically, if this does happen, uh, we might have a few games in the Aviva at Cole Park, but realistically, you know, England and their massive stadiums like Wembley, they're going to dominate the World Cup. But it'd be great to have a couple here, but I, I don't think it's hugely likely. And if it is, I'm not even sure if the country is going to be prepared for it, you know, economically and the amount of people that will be coming through as well and seeding it. And again, yeah, exactly like you said, accommodating that many teams. You know, in a small island like us, it, it would be a challenge in its own right as well. I suppose it could possibly be that you just you, you get one group out of the uh, the whole World Cup and you, and you settle what four teams or whatever it is, five teams now. I think it might be 
Um, so it, it it may not be that much because you have you have the north, you have Scotland. I mean, the north I don't think have a stadium over for, unless one of the Gaelic stadiums have. But I don't think Windsor Park is is over forty thousand, so they're going to struggle. Scotland obviously have a couple, and I mean. England could, re- and of course Wales have, I think they have the Millennium Stadium, I suppose Cardiff, maybe, I'm not sure, I don't know if they're near 40,000 at all actually. Uh, so yeah, really, England could host it on their own, so I'm not totally sure, Nathan, why we're all part of it. Yeah, I, I don't know. When they, or is it, sorry, or is it just because that they think they'll have a better chance if they have a couple of the smaller nations joining in with them? Yeah, like I do what say, I agree with a lot of what Neil said there, you know, like I think we we think of post you know, it'd be great, you know, we look at it as be be great to hold a World Cup game, but realistically we're not gonna be hosting a semi final between the Green and Spain. We're gonna be having group games, you know, and, and teams like that. We're just not set up to to have these these bigger games. And I think even away from that, you know, I think it's the core of it and, and in theory it's it's a great thing to have but like, like, yeah, what Neil was saying, we're probably not financially set up to host it. And not only that, we're probably not financially set up for the aftermath either. Or even for, if it's a failed bid here, where like England had a couple of high-profile the failed bids back in 2018, 2016, I believe. And it was, it was pretty pretty, uh, pretty embarrassing. You've seen a lot of um, a lot of people handing the resignation and leave. And no, that probably wouldn't be the worst thing to see in the FBI. But it's, it's a tough one to take when a failed bid, bid does go ahead. And, yeah, I'm not sure, but I think like everybody else, you know, it's in your head it's great to see it happen, but the feasibility and how much of a of a good thing it would be for Ireland is hard to see, you know, especially now where it's looking more likely that we're going to lose a game during this summer, during 2020, so we won't even have that to fall back on and, and, and to see how we get on with that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be overly optimistic about this one. I personally... I'm not too bothered that we wouldn't have them games. I think if your country's not in the major championships, it's very hard to get motivated to host a championship. And I just don't know. That's five teams that are looking to host it in 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 one bid. I know the other bids are Spain and Portugal. I think it's Argentina, Paraguay and Chile. Um, I think Morocco on their own. Oh no, Morocco and Spain. Is it Morocco and Spain or just Morocco on their own? No, Spain and Portugal. I think Morocco on their own. And there is another one. I think there is Bulgaria, Croatia and Romania or something like that. They're they're looking for it as well. There is another one that they were talking about, which was China. Uh, they're banned at the moment, but seemingly that there's talk that that's going to be uh, loosened and they may be one who, uh, I suppose they'd be looking uh, they'd be big enough and they'd be and, and you know they want to bring it to places that have never had it before so that could be one that could uh, scuffer anything Neve, would you like to have the World Cup uh, like I don't know if five is too many to automatically go through so if five is too many to automatically go through and Ireland didn't qualify would you like a World Cup in Ireland would it feel like a World Cup in Ireland if Ireland weren't in it yeah, that's the thing. I think it'd be quite ironic to not have your country playing in the World Cup and getting through, but yet holding it. It'd be a bit, a bit ironic. I think it's yeah, the motivation just wouldn't be there. But one benefit of all this, I see anyway, is that whether or not it does happen, the fact that Ireland is even being considered as a possibility, it really puts our football interest on the international stage. You know, because we're we're a big football country, but we're really known, you know, for our national sports, our Gaelic. But we do have a massive soccer 
supporters group as well in the country and it promotes the League of Ireland in a way as well I suppose it gives us a platform I suppose on the international stage that's the one benefit you know whether or not this actually goes through the possibility of us being out there itself you know is an advantage really yeah, and it's I tell you what doesn't ha- doesn't hinder us is the likes of Kevin Sheedy who's bringing in players from England. Maybe they're on loan, but they're coming across, and and you know it ju- it'll just make people more aware of of the League of Ireland in other places. So I don't think that's a bad thing, even though people may say you know taking Irish players places, blah blah blah. I don't believe that that's the case. I think it might be actually helping the league in a in a, a strange old way. Nathan, fans, questions today. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, thanks very much, Pete, for sending the questions in. Uh, keep them coming. Check us out on uh, the big kickoff. Uh, check out on bigkickoff.com. There's a website. You can check us out on social media platforms and just keep sending them in because yeah, it's always great to get and it's always a good conversation starter. Uh, we just have to warn this week. We, we thought we looked pretty, pretty neaty on our schedule, so I just picked up the warn just to just uh, save us from rambling on. Well, you know, me and you like to go on a bit of a toddle every now and again when it comes to this. Sometimes. So this one was sent in. <laughs> Sometimes, me more than you. Uh, so this one was sent in by Danny McGovern, and Danny uh, points out that Shamrock Rovers are planning a big move for Richie Tower in the summer. And Danny wants to know: Do you think it's worth it? Is, is it worth? Is Richie Tower worth? All you think it's something like a three point five million deal over three years uh, for Shamrock Rovers? So we just want to know: Is Richie Tower worth it? Well, I'm going to straight away pass that on to Neve. Neve, what's your thoughts? Do, do you think that, first of all, for Shamrock Rovers, three and a half year deal is, is is big for the league? No one really gets that kind of contract. So, first of all, it, does it make sense for Shamrock Rovers? And I suppose, you know, Richie Tell, will he make that much of a difference to, you know, to be able to sort of back that kind of contract up? Yeah, well, it is absolutely massive contract. Like, for years, it's, it's really, really quite expensive. But like you were saying earlier, with the loss of Jack Byrne, Aaron McInnes, maybe, you know, this is his opportunity to try and bring in a strong player, not so much to replace them, but just to add to that squad after two major losses, really. And when he was playing for Dundalk, I think he scored 50-plus goals across the three years with the club. So again, he, he is a significant player. He definitely brings that talent forward with him. And I think that's, a major reason behind it is the loss of the, those two players with Shamrock Rovers. I think that might have driven them to to push quicker and, and pay the big money for, for this player. What's your thoughts, Nathan? Yeah, uh, I just want to just rehash that. I think I said three million. It's not three million. It's three, it's uh, half a million of a three point five. I got years. I mean, some was mixed up there. So Shamrock Rovers fans, don't worry. He's not paying three million. <laughs> which you tell him? Yeah, look, I, I think he's, he's he's an excellent player. I always enjoyed watching him at Dundalk. Um, like Neil said, his goal scoring record is pretty good. He even finished up as the um, the top goal scorer, I think, in 2015, I think, was it? 2015? I think it was 2015. I'm going to say it is, isn't it? Um, and yeah, he had multiple like, PFAI player, player of the year awards and, and things like that. So he has a good record, a good proven track record in the league over a couple of years, playing with Dundalk side um, during, during the height of, of Stephen Kenny's run with Dundalk. So, on paper, it's pretty good when you know he's, he's turning 30 this summer, so still a couple of years ahead of him. And he's making uh, major bucks at the moment over in Salford and playing well. He's, he's out, no, he's out with a bit of an injury, but he's coming back and he's playing on a more consistent basis. So he's done all right for himself over in England, too. So, yeah, boys, the Shamrock Rovers fan, I'd be happy enough seeing him coming in, but it, it, it is hard to ignore the, the big money, like it's 
it's somewhat unprecedented. We never really see these moves and these contracts get given out in the League of Ireland. Why would Salford let him go if he's playing well? Um, they can, you know, give out good contracts themselves. They're not short a few quid. So, is he? Is he just? Do they feel? Do you think that that he's not at the level to help them progress? You know, that's kind of a thing I'd be looking at. Is that a hint that listen? We don't think you can help us anymore, in, in even in in the league that we're in. Um, you would think that people like Gary Neville and so on, if they had a player that was really on a bring them up the leagues that they'd hang on to him. I was more so wondering, um, like yeah, like whose end is it on? Is it on his end? Like like look he's caught, he's he's far from old of anything, but he does have a young family. Is is he probably looking to come back to Ireland and settle down? I'm not too sure. Like I don't know the guy personally of it's just from the outside looking in. That was my more uh, perspective was maybe him looking to settle back in Ireland and to to raise his family there, you know. So that was, that's what I more so would have thought because he is playing on it on a regular enough basis for uh, Salford when he is fit uh, he's not injured yeah maybe I'm just being a bit negative am I okay Neve, listen on the season just to finish up what's what are you looking for you're a Sligo Rovers fan are you yeah yeah big time yeah so there's a few good signings down there a, bit of, a lot of ins and outs first of all Sligo Rovers what are you expecting from them and then just the league in general uh, how do you view the the Premier Division seems that Sligo are there, and maybe just touch on the on the First Division. Yeah, well, Sligo Rovers themselves have made some great signs this season. I'm I'm really excited to actually see where we can progress. And we la- we landed a fourth, you know, in the league table last season. We rose from the bottom really, so that was quite surprising in its own right. But you know, like Walter Figueira and uh, a notable player I should mention really is young Johnny Kenny, um, son of the other Johnny Kenny, of course. He um, came from the underage academy there, under 17s and under 19s, and he signed professionally there in January. And he's already scored two goals between three friendly games. I mean, he's a serious, substantial benefit and advantage to the club. So he's, I suppose, who I have my eyes on specifically for Sligo Rovers. Um, and yeah, I've, I've seen brilliant signings across the whole field really in the League of Ireland. I think Waterford had a few substantial ones as well. I definitely see them rising up the table. Um, but yeah, between those two clubs, I think that they're making the most substantial signings. That's in my own opinion anyway. But so, so generally what you're saying is St. Pat's are going to be down flirting with relegation again because all the other clubs are doing so well. I get, I hear what you're saying, Nathan. Don't get worried about that. Uh, the first division, uh, Neve. What, what's your thoughts on that? Because it's going to be a, a very competitive league this year. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of competition to get into that Premier uh, League eventually or the Premier Division, sorry. I mean, there's going to be, obviously, as we come closer to, the, to mid-season, that pressure is really, really on. Um, Galway United have been doing very well I think signing wise and just we had a friendly actually with them Sligo Rovers today and we drew one all which really wasn't what I was expecting so they're obviously doing quite well they're particularly the team uh, that I have my eye on as well Um, but again they need more promotion they need more recognition and uh, try and get the same numbers of interest really because it is a very competitive league without a doubt we leave it there Nathan Thanks very much. 
Neve, thank you very much as well. You can read Nathan and Neve's articles on thebigkickoff.com. Some great, a great little section, the League of Ireland section there. There's some great stuff going out. The podcasts go out, a lot of articles. Uh, we have numerous writers now. And uh, so you should have a little look at that. See what you think. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks.